Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 226. And our title today is a little bit of an odd one. It's called The Night with a Mosquito. But we're actually talking about influence. And we see that when we spend time with mosquitoes, uh, they're not exactly making the best difference in the world. So let's find out today what the Bible says about how we can use our influence of the people around us for good. History is in many ways a story of influence. Leadership is about influence. Everyone influences someone. Therefore, in a sense, everyone is a leader. Sociologists tell us that even the most introverted individual will influence 10,000 other people during his or her lifetime. We all influence one another in all sorts of ways, from what to have for lunch, and what films to watch, to more important matters of truth and ethics. My life has been influenced by so many people, my parents, teachers, friends and family. Just as I've been influenced by others, inevitably what I do and say will influence others for good or ill. As the African proverb puts it, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. The mosquito makes a difference in an annoying way, but the principle is the same. One person can stop a great injustice. One person can be a voice for truth. One person's kindness can save a life. Each person matters. How can you maximize your influence and use that influence for good? From Psalm 96 Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. For the good of everyone. God chose Israel. He blessed the people of Israel in a special way. His purpose was not that they should feel proud and superior to others. Rather, it was that they should be a blessing to the whole world. They were blessed to be a blessing. They were called to use their influence for the good of all nations. Now, God has chosen us, the church, to be a blessing to all people. You are blessed to be a blessing. This psalm has a multinational focus. It proclaims the wonders and blessings of God to everyone. You are called to bless through first worship. It's interesting to note in passing that worship should be creative and include innovation. They sang a brand new song. Second witness, shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Take the news of his glory to the lost. News of his wonders to one and all. Get the message out. God rules. Help us, Lord, never to become inward-looking or self-indulgent. May everything we do as individuals and as a community be outward-focused in order to bring blessing to the world, proclaiming your salvation day after day. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 9 Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, because whoever ploughs and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? 
and that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. To spread the good news. Paul is deeply conscious of his influence as a Christian, and in particular as an apostle. He's absolutely determined to maximize his influence for good and to put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. It appears that he sees his calling to singleness as one of the ways he can maximize his influence. He's not suggesting that there's anything wrong with marriage. It appears that the other apostles, including the Lord's brothers and Cephas, Peter, were all married. Another way he seeks to maximize his influence is by having a second job, working for a living. He's very keen to point out that he does not need to do this. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, or as Eugene Peterson translates, those who spread the message be supported by those who believe the message. In other words, as Christians, we should support financially those who spread the gospel full-time. Paul's point is that although he had this right, he did not make use of it. Our decision all along has been to put up with anything rather than to get in the way or detract from the message of Christ. Paul is absolutely passionate about the preaching of the gospel. He does not want anything to hinder its maximum impact. Hence, he does not make use of any of his rights. His mission is paramount. He's compelled to preach. He writes, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He is simply discharging an obligation that he feels. What he wants more than anything is that people should be able to hear the gospel free of charge. I'd rather die than give anyone ammunition to discredit me or impugn my motives. This is one of the reasons why we are determined that no one should ever have to pay for doing Alpha. And this is why we need to resist any attempt to persuade us to fundraise from guests as soon as they've finished Alpha. We do not want people to pay directly or indirectly for the privilege of hearing the gospel. Paul says, I'd rather die. I remember when Billy Graham came to preach the gospel in London in 1989. It was suggested at one point that in order for the tickets, which were all free, not to be wasted, they should be sold for a nominal sum of one pound each. The suggestion was rejected out of hand. Billy Graham had determined that he would always preach the gospel free of charge. Lord, help us always to follow this example of the Apostle Paul and to maximize the impact and influence of the preaching of the gospel by making it available free of charge and to put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Old Testament from Ecclesiastes 9-12 to There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. 
The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Banish anxiety from your heart, and cast off the troubles of your body. To plant good seeds. Solomon is very aware of the power of influence. This influence can be for good or evil. One wise person can save a city. On the other hand, one sinner destroys much good. Hitler, Stalin and Pol Pot are glaring examples of this principle. One human being can use their influence for evil and cause great harm. But the influence does not have to be as great as these tyrants in order to have a bad effect. Dead flies in perfume make it stink, and a little foolishness decomposes much wisdom. If even a dead fly can have a bad influence, the least influential human being can have an influence for evil or good. We can all be a fly in the ointment. The writer has much to say about how to be a good influence rather than a bad one. First, watch your words. Solomon reminds us, that the words from the mouth of the wise are gracious. Respond to hot-tempered words with calmness. Avoid gossiping and bad-mouthing your leaders. Be careful what you say or even think. Don't revile people even in your thoughts or curse them in your bedroom because a bird of the air may carry your words and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Second, take risks. To maximize your influence for good, you need to take risks. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. In other words, he says, nothing ventured, nothing gained. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To try is to risk failure. But risks must be taken, because the greatest hazard in life is to risk nothing. If we are too cautious, we will never achieve anything. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. We should apply this principle to church planting. It will require risk and determination. We must not be daunted by seemingly insurmountable obstacles. We must not be put off due to wind and clouds. Third, spread your efforts. In order to maximize influence, you might have to juggle different opportunities in your life. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Press ahead on all fronts and make the most of every opportunity. That's why as a church we try to sow seeds in every direction, through worship, prayer, leadership, discipleship, theological training, social transformation, evangelization, fighting injustice, work in the prisons, and with the poor and the marginalized. Fourth, 
Take your opportunities. Life is short. Don't waste time worrying. Banish anxiety from your heart. Your opportunities are limited. Even if you live a long time, don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour. You who are young, make the most of your youth. The book finishes with a conclusion to all its searching and questioning. The meaning of life ultimately rests in your relationship with God. Revere Him and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty for every person. Lord, help me to revere you and keep your commandments. Help me to use my influence for good and not for evil. Help me to make the most of every opportunity that you have put before me. Pepper adds, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12. Of the making of books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. What a prophetic statement! Had Solomon any idea how many books would be written on every subject in the years to come? There are so many beautiful and inspiring books, but plenty of others less so. I had some sympathy many years ago when I was helping one of our children with their reading homework. They complained, I don't like books. They have words in them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you give me influence. Thank you that I can affect others' lives. Lord, I pray that you would give me your Holy Spirit now so that I would overflow with love and good influence on other people's lives. I pray that I know that every person matters and I pray that I can be a voice for truth Lord, help me to recognize every person that I influence today. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.